Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have uh, Ricarda Zezza here with me from Milano. Welcome to my podcast, Ricarda. Thank you. I'm really happy to meet you. Uh, I've heard so much about you from Opus Fund and from many other people, and uh, you've um, become like a person and a phenomena and, uh, that a lot of people in Italy are talking about. So I was curious to really meet with you and understand more about you and your drivers and what you're trying to achieve. So as a very short intro of you, I would say you are founder of MAM, the world's first and only digital training program that turns parenthood into a master's in key skills for your business. It's a digital and life-based program that delivers training in a very engaging and rewarding way so that it can boost people's motivation and productivity. How would you define what is MAM for and who is MAM for? Mom comes from my own experience. I, I was a manager for 15 years in big companies and I experienced myself a paradox because I was going through very intensive and expensive trainings in soft skills on one hand to become a good manager. And on the other hand, what happened in my life, such as having children, was considered to be as either a problem or anyway something that had to be kept out of the business itself. And the paradox was that the kind of uh, concrete experiences that those soft skill trainings were providing me to learn the soft skills, they had to build them in-house, they had to be artificial, while my real life was providing me exactly the kind of experiences that I needed to develop those soft skills. It was a paradox. I realized that uh, how come I have to spend time in a classroom flying a flight simulator to learn about crisis management, when I have my two-year-old daughter at home, which is a perfect training ground for crisis management <laughs> at hand, yeah. daily, for free. And so after 15 years like this, I realized that maybe there was a way we could connect the dots in a different way and uh, propose to companies a new way of learning those soft skills by using life. Mm. And this way, not only saving costs, but also using better what was already there. So it was both cost-saving and resources-creating. And that's why we started. So life-based learning, this is how we call it, mm -hmm. is about using what life provides you, concrete experiences in life, mm. to improve your soft skills. And how has this like, changed your life since you kicked this off? Totally. First of all, I had my second child when I was 40. And I left my corporate career when I was 41. And that's a very important age, I think, for a woman especially, but also for men, because it's so-called the second adulthood. It's when you realize that uh, it's time for you to give back, to use what you've learned and have an impact. It's called generativeness. I never imagined before I, I would leave the corporate career. And then suddenly it was, for me, it was a must to leave the system as it was and start something that could impact the system. And so now, seven years later, I really feel like every day I know 
why I'm doing what I do every day. Even when I do the things I like the least, because of course, being an entrepreneur, you don't do funny stuff all the time. But I always know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. On one hand, this is about the career. And on the other hand, I'm applying life-based learning to my life. And uh, what is amazing about this method is that uh, it helps you, it makes it lighter to be everything you are. So it's not just about being a better manager or better professional, but it's also about being a, a more relaxed parent, not feeling guilty about working when you are with your when you are in the office, not mm-hmm. feeling guilty about being in the family when you are with the family. So it's it makes you feel better. And I'm really learning what I teach in a way. And how you then design this experience, this learning. Did you need to, I mean, of course, you have your own kind of idea about what would work best, but did you then also research, contact a lot of specialists in different areas in order to, like, make the best yeah. formula? The, the idea was a sort of a lightning, like suddenly one day I was at a conference and I had this idea, mm. what is the big problem about maternity leave? Mm. The absence. But the truth is that also when you go on a master's, you're absent for a while and then you're back with more skills. And that's why MAM acronym comes from maternity as a master, M-A-A-M. So the idea was like this, just like I think ideas come that way. But then I thought we have to investigate if this is true. So for one year, we only did the research about this hypothesis. So Mm -hmm. the hypothesis, what could it be that becoming a mother is a master in soft skills? That was the entry point. Mm -hmm. And for one year, we researched And we researched desk research, existing ones, and we found biological evidence that when you become a caregiver, nature provides you with all the resources you need to succeed. Because being a caregiver for nature is very important. The human species wouldn't survive if it wasn't for caregiving. Uh, Under a sociological perspective, it is proven that having multiple roles, it's the perfect a solution for improving soft skills and also for gaining resources, energy. So you actually recharge thanks to the fact that you have more roles in your life. And finally, on empirical data, there are researches about women leadership where women mention motherhood both as a metaphor for leadership and as a training ground for leadership. So when women become leaders, they actually strong leaders, they have to be very strong because to be able to change the perspective, it's not enough to be a leader, you have to be very strong. They mention, they change the words, they change the vocabulary, and they mention being a mother as a different way of being a leader. Mm. So this scientific evidence is so rich that when I found, when we found out that there was so much already, I was a little bit angry because this is such a big issue, the fact that it seems like life and work conflict and the best solution we have found so far is to help with services in a way, but still keep like the two things separated and still keep them in fight. That when I realized that there is so much evidence that actually there is a potential synergy between life and work, I thought, how come that this evidence, this knowledge hasn't penetrated the society? hasn't become active in the society. And this is what we're doing now with this program. And we're trying to do it as fast as possible because this kind of solution is urgent. We're trying to transform knowledge into active programs that actually enable people 
to have this kind of awareness and become themselves change makers about this. Beautiful idea and so important. And what do you right now after, you said seven years, right? What is the most kind of urgent resource you need now to take off even more? Mom started with the research and then we went to the classrooms. We did some workshops with companies. I come from corporates, so I work with corporates because that's a word I know. And I already saw the limits of the classroom. The classroom had many limits. One was the fact that it was a one-day experience or two days experience and then people went back to their lives and they couldn't practice daily. The other one was scalability, how many people could reach. Normally people, when they become parents, they're struggling having an extra day in the classroom. So the method was not strong enough. And that's why three years ago, the real change for us was to, for the method to become digital. So now what companies are buying is the subscription to a blended program, which has the theory available in digital, modules, uh, videos, questions that people answer. And then the practice is what we call real life missions that people basically live their own lives as they are, but with a level of awareness that allows them to understand what kind of skills they're using, how they're using them, and the behaviors. So the big challenge today, three years after starting the digital program and having around 6,000 people doing the program right now, is how to deliver this opportunity in the best possible way to the whole world. Because what we have seen is that this uh, meeting, this positive way of meeting between life and work is cross-cultural. So parenting and caregiving are universal concepts. And also the word of work, some of the managerial and soft skills subjects we're talking about are universal. We've been to Japan, we've been to Turkey, we've been to the US, and these subjects are very similar. And we have users now in 26 countries, thanks to our global customers. So we know this is a potential that can activate people in all the countries of the world. And my struggle is I want this to happen as quick as possible and in the best possible way. So I'm not afraid that other companies, for example, start doing the same thing. I'm waiting for that. This is about a new way of learning. When I, I, I was to the EdTech uh, week in the UK some time ago, I was a little bit like I see that in a way technology is being interpreted in a way that you still do the old things, but you do them with new tools. Well, I think that now we have the opportunity and the need for starting doing new things. So new ways of learning, not just learn differently, but yeah. new, new innovation mm -hmm. is about framing. It's not about inventing. And I think we have a huge potential there, but we have to hurry up because the system we have now is not sustainable and is not giving good results either. So there is hurry to do this. And you are working with people in your team that are in other places or are they all based in Milano? Most of the team is in Milano, but now I have one person in London and one in Luxembourg. We are very small still. Mm -hmm. uh, we are a startup, so-called. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have 50 companies, customers, which it's a lot for Italy, and a couple of them are global. But one thing is to have Italian companies with global outreach, another thing is to start uh, markets, new markets. We really have to do it the right way. I think the best way is finding the right partners that somehow already reach out to the markets and they can find integration between what they do and what we do. 
I'm not worried of keeping the brand or the name or the control. I'm worried about expanding the method. Also because the other thing that happens when you start a program is that you start collecting data. Because the users, they get many questions and they answer an average of one out of two questions. So every user answers an average of 100 questions with text. There is a lot of writing and writing is about reflecting and it's about narrative, about what's happening to you. In all those data, we work with universities to make research and expand the theory even more. So there is a leverage effect, which is very strong. So I imagine every country where we can go, we can get data in that country, start partnership with universities there and have a, a very strong impact. What would be your, let's call it, dream with this? The dream is uh, that one day this will be so... This is something that my investors don't like when I say it, because my dream is that we're going to be useless one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because one day they will say, oh, can you imagine there was an era in which people thought that work and life were in conflict? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, how can it be? Can you imagine women were afraid of having children because they thought they might lose their job because of that? <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, they had the best of technology out there and they create such a situation. So my dream is that... I can move on to another challenge because this is solved. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great uh, way of looking at it. And what is, do you think, a job, uh, if not today, you know, tomorrow? What is a job? That's interesting. Um, a job is what you do that uh, makes sense with what everybody else does. So probably one day when we think about the future that there will be robots doing most of the, let's say, boring stuff... So what about us? What shall we do? First of all, that's very far because there is more than 50% of the world population which uh, absolutely don't have that level of uh, progress yet. So that's also for me a little bit puzzling. We can't consider progress done unless everybody's on board. Everybody have the same opportunities. We don't consider land as belong to us just because we were born there. There is so much to do. And uh, so probably job, I hope, will be more about getting everybody at the same level, giving everybody the same opportunity, using our creativity and our mind to make sure that uh, everybody is healthy and uh, before we think we're done. Because until that time, I don't think we're done. And at the time when robots will be doing all the boring stuff and everybody else will have the same opportunities, then we can be creative and, and take care of each other and of the word. And if we go back to you, uh, Ricarda, what would you like define as your passion coming from this uh, Latin word patira, you know, things that you were really even were ready to suffer for if, if needed? What is that for you now? My, my enterprise mm-hmm. certainly is my passion, mm-hmm. but for, I can't resonate in silos. So when I see myself, I see a hole, a hole between who I am at work, who I am at home, my children, my friends, my work. Mm. And I'm passionate about everything I do. I'm passionate about knowing every day why I'm doing what I'm doing. As long as I have an answer to that question, I keep on and I have a lot of energy. And um, if I can answer with the opposite answer, I really struggle when I feel impotent 
when I realized, sometimes I have moments in which I realize that uh, I might not make it. I might not really have an impact with my ideas, with my company, with my people. With uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm a little bit uh, like moments and then I'm back thinking that, yes, it makes sense what I'm doing. So I'm passionate about making sense. Yeah, and a lot of um, great ideas need a lot of consistency and grit to succeed because uh, you need to get to the 360 degree kind of solution and, and everything in order to see the impact so definitely it's about holding on <laughs> we're not losing that uh, what about the transformational points you know we all have uh, them in our lives so far which ones have been yours I was very surprised when uh, when I became a mother the first time and I realized that that was a weakness for my workplace. And uh, I was very surprised because I think uh, I had been following the rules step by step for so many years and uh, performing. I checked all the boxes. So I didn't expect that something so obvious would be a, a weakness. It was a weakness. How did that manifest itself? How did you notice that? Oh, it's very in, in the most classical way. Like uh, I, in my whole career, I had only two bad performance reviews in my whole career, and they both were when I was on maternity leave. Two different companies. So there is something, there is something about uh, maternity that makes it very hard to accept. I know what it is. Yeah. It is because it's an anomaly in the perception of a linear life cycle of work. But it's not sustainable anymore, of course. But then you know about it, but you don't know it enough until it happens to you. And for some reason, it happened to me twice in two different companies, in two different countries. I think there is a message from destiny in that case. You know, when something happens to you twice in two different ways and then you're like, okay, there is something I have to do here. And I, for sure, that was a trend. I normally say mom, in a way, was also a product of my boss at the company. <laughs> He's in a way, I'm the mother, he's the father. <laughs> because you also need, I also say, he kicked me and I arrived to the moon. Sometimes you need a kick. So that was certainly important because, and I also thought when it happened, especially the second time with the second child, I thought I'm privileged. I have a culture, I have a background, I have a husband who's only making money. I can choose. What about all the women that experience the same kind of experience and they can't choose. They have to keep on going to work or they lose their job. And uh, so I also felt the responsibility of acting for them. And that's, I think, a very important trigger because if I may speak about women, I think in a way we, for us it's easier to act on behalf of someone else than for ourselves. Mm. So the feeling that I had to do this for the others also make, made me even stronger. Mm. That's a very good reflection, yeah. Is there something you could call like a, a long-term um, solution or formula for business that you believe in, you know, regardless of what kind of corporation it is, regardless of sector? Business have a very big challenge, which is the problem of businesses is that what makes them work today will probably refrain them from progressing in the future. So the system tends to save itself, to defend itself from change. Mm. So when a business is successful, it tends to avoid innovation. Mm. 
So the real challenge for business today is to be capable of keeping being open, even if they're successful. Because if then, you know, we know change is so quick. And uh, if you think about it, change has been very quick in the last uh, 20 years. But we are still working today as we worked 20 years ago. Same way. Same way of measuring results, same way of working, in a way. This is how strong is the system. And that is what makes it unsustainable. So the capability of changing probably is the biggest challenge. Yeah. And it's in our human nature, right, that we don't want a lot of changes. We love our habits. We love our things that we can you know, like recognize, feel safe with, and so on. So it doesn't really, the human nature doesn't really... Hmm? But on the other side, there has to be a change. I mean, look at just the pension systems in different countries uh, where that exists even. <laughs> are we, the two of us, for example, going to go... Uh, retired when we are 60-something? And why would we if we are healthy and sane, right? I mean, what? why do you force people to quit delivering value and make sense in the in the society? All of these things have to change because also financially it, it won't work anyways, given, you know, the the life expectancy, etc., uh, etc., et at least in, in our part of the world, right? I think that, in a way, life can teach us a lot. If you think about a child, a newborn child, changes every day. And it shapes your mind in a way that you adapt to this constant change. You gain mental agility, you get used to problem solving different every day. So I think life is already quite casual in a way. No? Mm. So I think there is something that we can learn from nature, from life, from real life experiences and embed back into business. If you dream a little bit and, and let's say that you have all doors open to you and all resources available to you right here and now. Is there anything you would immediately rush and uh, innovate or change? You know, whether it is in your sector, in what you do or elsewhere. Yeah, there is something that is really burning at the moment, which is immigrants. Yeah, I think it's unbearable what we're doing. It's unbearable. It's, uh, it makes no sense. The fact that we consider poor people or desperate people or anyway need, needy people coming, like if they were from their land to our land, what are we talking about? Mm. That makes no sense. Mm. And that's not just because it's not sustainable, but it's about being human. We're losing our humanity. I'm speaking about Italy, but not only at the moment. There is this attitude in Europe everywhere, yeah, everywhere. Uh, yeah. that mm. if I could be the boss of the world, <laughs> that's the first thing I would work on. Mm -hmm. But what could be the solution? Of course, this is a complex issue, but, um, you know, from a very kind of simplistic point of view, apart from all of us being more human and so on, how do we like, stop the problem uh, rather than like fixing things all the time? I don't know how to do it. I think that you need a lot of knowledge and experience, which I don't have. But certainly the starting point has to be different. Mm. This idea that you have the right to the place where you were born, that is like culturally, it's a, I think it's a source of most of the attitudes that we have. And that, that doesn't make sense. Mm. If I had uh, magic powers, I would have everybody being an immigrant for a week, waking up one morning and finding themselves uh, needing to leave their homes and their lives and... Uh, seeing how it feels, and then coming back and again saying, this is my land, what are you doing here, what do you want? Mm. 
but you know it's a little bit idealistic but I really see it like that and I don't know how to transfer this into cultural I think it's there is a lot of cultural work to be done like we are doing now with mom it's cultural so probably there is some cultural work that we can do in that sense and uh, if you could give like one piece of advice to um, leaders however you define leaders <laughs> is there anything specific you want to mention We are touching uh, the concept of power with the work we do. And we understood that for some reason in the last, uh, I don't know how many years, but uh, in a way there has been a disconnection between the idea of power and the idea of responsibility. And what is interesting is that uh, what happens is that people who have power don't think they have responsibility. And people who have responsibility tend to think they have no power. I think there could be very interesting results if we reconnected the two concepts. So if we explained or we reminded people with power that power means responsibility. And on the other hand, if we could explain and make those people who feel they have responsibility aware of the fact that responsibility brings power. So that's what I would try to do. And in this way, I also think that women can have some responsibility in this sense. Uh, they can bring some of the caregiving attitude that's been lost in the power arena and they can reconnect they feel a lot of responsibility women tend to feel a lot of responsibility and tend to feel powerless but for them connecting back power and responsibility could be very powerful and that's something they could bring to the table definitely and really act when you sit at the at the table where you can influence and um, and rather it's not about having a seat it's really like what you do with it right And is there like one uh, important thing, common denominator for all companies that you think that they should focus on right now? Companies are getting more and more uh, impactful in the world. Companies have a stake as change agents, they are mm. ecosystems. One reason why I'm happy that I'm selling to companies is because it's easier to drive change with companies than with governments at the moment, especially in Italy, but uh, I think also elsewhere. So I think companies should recognize and um, integrate in their vision the fact that they cannot succeed if societies fail. So they have a direct power and responsibility mm -hmm. in a way in being agents also in the society for societies to be sustainable. And this re refers to environment, to people, to everything, not just business. The sense of the bottom line, that's, that's an old, old way of defining success. Mm. No, exactly. It's just a, a result if you do everything right. right? Yeah. That's true. And it's important to be sustainable as well, of course. And right now we are here at this conference organized by Opus Fund um, about social enterprises and how we can even more raise the bar of these enterprises. Is there any like reflection that you have after a couple of days listening to all the speakers and all the workshops and everything, all the discussions? Like, What do you think is the best thing for social enterprises to do, to step up? The reason why my company is not a non-profit, but it's a for-profit, mm -hmm. is because I think that the market has very powerful roots to help projects grow, very, very effective. At the end, that's, in a way, the, the financial aspect makes things grow a lot. Yeah. 
So unfortunately, most of the social issues that we are addressing are still considered to be secondary. And this is, I think, also the frustration that we all, in a way, feel, that we know what we're doing is vital, Mm -hmm. but then we know that uh, social is nice to have. It's not key, it's not mainstream. Environment is getting some more, like, because everybody lives in the same atmosphere, so... But the social and the people part is still struggling, still behind. So I wish we could um, find better ways to use the market dynamics for the social issues to become more relevant and in a way create a critical mass of awareness that can influence decision-making about this. And I see the frustration, for example, there has been a lot of talking about investors these days and how they ask old questions. Uh, They are probably the most connected to old ways of uh, measuring things. And still, the financial aspect is in their hands. So how do we create dialogue between what we do and what they want? And that's a challenge, I think, a lot. So we need intermediaries. We need uh, people who can translate effectively what we do and what they want. Because I know there is a connection. You just have to enlarge the frame and you will find it. But while you are creating the business, you, you cannot at the same time create the larger framework. Someone else has to do it. So what do you say when you meet uh, investors that will help you raise the next step, the funds that you need to expand? Luckily, we have very strong numbers because we, we found a way to translate uh, the social impact into business results. And we did it by enlarging the framework because we are finding the way to show companies that if they allow work-life synergy, they have more resources. So the numbers are on our side. We are stronger than the average startup and we probably have some more issues in convincing the investors, more because I'm a woman, I'm not the typical startupper with the typical attitude of startupper, than because the business is not attractive. It's very attractive. We have very high rate of renewals, growing income and so on. So I think we have the numbers and probably what I lack a little bit is the aggressive attitude, mm-hmm. but I don't want to, I'm not going to have that ever. Mm-hmm. So I will find the investors which match with who I am. Exactly. Just be continue to be yourself. Right. But how do you price things is also very important. You price things in line with the value you provide. So... What have you done so far? How did you price the value you provide for companies? We want to be very accessible. Mm -hmm. We didn't want this to be a very, let's say, limited and high-level service for a very little number of companies. So, And we wanted companies to adopt it in a way that they would uh, use it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So the way companies are buying the service is by a a nearly subscription, Mm -hmm. which gives them flat access to the program. So the more people use it, the less it costs to them, per user. And this way we are avoiding them to say, oh, you'll, he will do it, he won't do it, we'll, only the management will do it. Mm-hmm. So we are considered to be very innovative also because we are very democratic. Mm-hmm. Like in the company, everybody has to do it. And this is how we, we are doing it, to make it more accessible. And it's like, it's working. And your typical client is which role in the company? HR. And that's also interesting because the biggest struggle that we have is that they, because this is so innovative and it's not a typical training and neither the typical welfare service 
they struggle in understanding where does this go. Mm-hmm. And also, this is also interesting. Why do they think that uh, well-being and, and people development should be separated? Like, if a person is healthy, he will learn better. If he's happy, he will produce better. But in companies, they didn't make the connection yet. So there's different teams. So who's going to pay for this? Is this about <laughs> well-being or is this about skill development? And sometimes we get, get stuck in this kind of conversations. Like, they don't buy us because they don't know who should pay for it. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's insane when you think about it. And also, for years and years, I've been questioning just the name Human Resources. <laughs> what does that say to you? <laughs> huh? Isn't it weird? <laughs> like, <laughs> Someone now is transitioning to people. They're starting yeah. to say, to talk about people yeah. a little bit more. But yeah, it's uh, sometimes you have to step out and take a look and, and then you start wondering... How did we end here? How did we end? And then we're still doing things that way. Just because we start, someone started. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And just to um, finish up with um, like a big helicopter question, I think, uh, what do you think that the world needs most at this time? Care. I think we really need to, to recognize the fact that we are a caregiving species, that if we were not capable of taking care of each other, in families, but also with strangers, our species would not survive. So we have to remember that. We have to remember that we have a very strong template that refers to our capability of taking care of each other. Recognize that is very noble and very is key mm-hmm. and bring it back, not only to families, but also to the society. Make care cool in a way, if it's possible. Well, I think that in a way it's become out of fashion in the last years. Bring it back to the core of what we do, everything. And it's also about working together. It's not true that uh, you can be a caregiver at home, but then when you're at work and you're the manager, then then there is no care there. Mm. It's not true because we work most of the time, so care has to be back everywhere Mm. in all the relations. Great. And just one reflection on that, that there are, you know, many uh, surveys over the past years that are saying more or less than that three-fourths, uh, 75 or something percent of people at work in our, let's call it, westernized world, they are not engaged and happy at work. Is that the feeling you get when you just briefly think about, let's say, your frame of reference, your friends and family and people that are working out there? Is that how you feel that's a strange thing because there is a the same percentage, 75% of people in companies are caregivers. And I think that, yes, I see that disconnection. And I think that the responsibility of that disconnection is because you can't consider people to be workers as separated from other things. So the, the fact that we are multiple things, and we all are, it's not just mothers, we all are. And the fact that we don't feel like we can bring the whole ourselves at work that makes us disconnected. So, yes, I can see that. We can see that the more and more people are burning out. There are a lot of costs for that. And uh, mental health is a problem in companies and workers. So I really think that uh, the solution is for people to be accepted and to be allowed to bring all themselves everywhere. And there are researches that prove it that if uh, the more the selves in someone overlap, mm-hmm. so the more you, you feel like you are all your identities at the same time, the more ethical is the behavior. Mm-hmm. 
Because if you, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you not only see the boss, you also see the brother, the friend, the father, the trainer, then you will behave better, more consistently, more integrity. And of course, the results <laughs> will be influenced by this. And also your energy doesn't get wasted because it takes a lot of energy to separate yourselves to be something somewhere and something somewhere else. So the benefits of a different perspective are huge. And why doesn't it happen more? Because decision makers normally have become decision makers because they dedicated, hold themselves to one identity because the system have been awarding the full dedication to work. So the system has created these kind of monsters, if I may say so, who only focus on work. And one, they become burned out very quickly. And two, they don't change the system because this is what they see. And this is how the system is replicating itself. And at the same time, those who have more identities, they don't recognize themselves in the system, so they don't fight to get to the top and they don't change the system. So the system replicates itself. That's why I'm also calling out for women and caregivers to step up a little bit for taking more responsibility and more power because it's not sustainable to have that kind of system. But there is a clear reason for that. I mean, the clear reason is that the power is in the wrong hands in a way, but it's not their fault. <laughs> you know, when the Jessica Rabbit says, I'm not bad they designed me this way, no? And that's the same thing. They're not bad. It's just that the system selects them this way. <laughs> How was it to be on the podcast? It was a very interesting, self-reflecting experience because I've been answering with my heart. Thank you. Thank you, Vesna. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ricarda. Thanks for sharing everything. So to, for people to find out more uh, about MAM and your work, where should they head? M-A-A-M, mam.life. And I will also post uh, links and uh, show notes on corporateunplugged.com and uh, so they can read it there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and share this episode with people you know would benefit from hearing exactly this. Please rate and review this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. <laughs> Ciao.